like you to turn with me to uh, Isaiah chapter 53, if you have your Bible and you care to follow along. Some of these kids have been here for, uh, oh my, two and a half hours now. Some of these adults have been here for three hours. It's been a long evening. Harold was asking me how long I was going to preach tonight, and I said 60 minutes. I was reminded that I'm on salary, not on hourly wage. (laughs) I'm assuming that those laughs indicate an amen. Or Hebrews. Still stuck in this morning, I think. Isaiah chapter 53. Who hath believed our report, and to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant, and as a root out of a dry ground. He hath no form nor comeliness, and when we shall see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. He is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief, and we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised, and we esteemed him not. Surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way, and the Lord hath laid on him my iniquity. All of our iniquity. All of us. He was oppressed. He was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He was brought as a lamb to the slaughter, and as the sheep before her shears is dumb, so he openeth not his mouth. He was taken from prison and from judgment, and who shall declare his generation? For he was cut off out of the land of the living. For the transgression of my people was he stricken. And he made his grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death, because he had done no violence, neither was any deceit in his mouth. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He hath put him to grief. And when thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin, he shall see his seed, he shall prolong his days, and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. He shall see the travail of his soul and shall be satisfied. By his knowledge shall my righteous servant justify many, for he shall bear their iniquities. Therefore will I divide him a portion with the great, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong, because he hath poured out his soul unto death, and he was numbered with the transgressors, and he bare the sin of many, and made intercession for the transgressors. Now, I'd like for somebody, if not multiple somebodies, to quote for me the golden text of the New Testament, specifically John 3.16. I don't know how many of you know it. I don't know what translation you have memorized it out of. 
But whether or not you have the same as somebody else, why don't you say it together and say it back to me so that we all can understand what it says. For God so loved the world. Isn't that a beautiful verse for Christmas time to be realizing why Jesus came? The first part of that verse simply says, God so loved the world. We could repeat that a number of times tonight. God so loved the world. God so loved the world that he would be willing to do this thing, this radical thing, of giving his son. He looked on the brokenness of this world. He saw the brokenness that sin creates and sin caused, and his heart had compassion. His heart was filled with love for the world. All of that sin that takes place, all of that sin in the world separates us in our relationship to him. That relationship which we were designed, we were created to have. God created man so that he would have a relationship with deity. But sin entered into the picture and broke that relationship. But God, so full of love, so full of compassion, so full of grace, that he was willing to give his son as a sacrifice for the sins of the world. Isaiah here says that it pleased the Lord to bruise him. It pleased the Lord. Is that really for real? Did God take pleasure in the suffering of his son? I don't believe that we could take it that far and take it to that point where God found pleasure in the suffering of his son. But what he found pleasing was the reality of the end work that took place because of Calvary. And in the midst of all of that suffering, Jesus didn't only suffer on Calvary. He suffered before Calvary. He suffered in the manger. He suffered nearly every day of his earthly existence, down through day after day after day. There were things that he had to suffer. But it culminated on that day, hanging on that cross. And it's not necessarily the particular moments of those suffering points that give God pleasure, but he finds pleasure in what that suffering provided and resulted in. It pleased the Lord to bruise him. The pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. The end result is what God was looking at. You see, we couldn't do it ourselves. 
We were not by, by nature of sin able to help ourselves. We were unable to escape the dilemma of sin within our own heart. It gripped us and we were unable to do it. We were unable to fix the situation of the world. God had to move on our behalf. And so we find the story of Christmas, the story of Christ's coming as a story of magnificent love. Love that you and I could never achieve on our own. We could never earn it. We could never deserve it. We could never even receive it by ourselves. We needed his gracious hand giving us that gift. Because that one death, many would receive life. By one man dying. And that is the plan that was brought to pass at Christmas. The plan of God's redemption for his people. If we go over to Romans chapter number 8, it tells us that he who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? You say, well, what does that have to do with anything? If God so loved the world, if God so loved me, if God so loved you so that he would give his son to, to die, to suffer in our place, then the cross becomes the guarantee that God will then take care of all of my need. Now, that's not my Christmas wish list that he's going to take care of. That's not, going, that's not all of those things that I want to call and classify as need, but God, as our creator, knows what our need is, and he provides everything. He promises to provide everything for us, and the guarantee is found within the cross because that was the point of the plan. And if God is willing to give his son for my salvation, then he will also provide all the things that I need. It pleased the Lord to bruise him. He hath put him to grief. When thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin, he shall see his seed. He shall prolong his days. The pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. This Christmas be renewed of the reality, the guarantee that is in the cross that God so loved the world that he gave. Let's stand together tonight. Amen. Fastest 60 minutes you've ever had. I hope that it resonates new afresh in our heart, the reality of what Christmas means to us. Praise God. Praise God. Amen. Amen. Let's conclude with the doxology. How about that? I know we already sang it. I know. Let's conclude with it again. Praise God from whom all... Praise God from whom all...